Welcome to the weird and mysterious world of the Inhuman Experience, a paranormal podcast where we explore the strange and unexplained. Coming to you from the Uncanny Valley, my name is Bobby Anthem, and with me as always, he is the Lance Kincaid of this dance brigade, my partner, my ace, my fellow Inhuman. God damn it, Bobby. Just when I get out, you pull me back in. We need you, you <laughs> son of a bitch. I'm in, you son of a bitch. <laughs> What's happening, you son of a bitch? <laughs> oh, not too much. We have got a great show for you tonight. And we have got Dan from Alien Theorist Theorizing in this, not in the studio with us, but um, via Skype with us in the studio. Suspension of disbelief. We have Dan in the studio with us today. That's right. In I'm our excited about this. <laughs> in our ethereal spiritual space, which is our He's studio. Right He's right here in, in meat space. In oh god. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I've I've been excited about this one, Blades. I know you've been excited about this one. This this uh this makes the second of our alien theorist theorizing collection. That's right. We've got to catch them all. We've got two down, two to go. Yes, sir, man. We have Brayden. Now we have the, the head researcher, the uh, the unofficial head researcher of the group. Yep. And 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 we get into we get into man we get into a lot. We get into uh, some uh, some case files. We get into uh, how the theorists uh, came together. We get into some conspiracy theories, even and and uh. What's more important is uh, a lot of conspiracies that are true. Mm, conspiracy facts. Those yes. Are the good ones. Not just theories, but actual fact. Yeah. So we have the very well-spoken, uh, the educated educator and the researcher. We have Dan. And that's coming up right now. We got my man Dan from Alien Theorist Theorizing with us today, man. Hi, nice to nice to be here on the uh, experiencing the inhuman experience. <laughs> hey, he got the name right. You know, we got to give you props for that. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> now you guys are setting the bar pretty low there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we we we're starting pretty low. So. Yeah, we got to start off small and then you know eat, make our way to the top. Yeah, then we can start throwing our weight around. Yep, we got big time, everybody. <laughs> Right, that's the plan. <laughs> so what's happening, man? We're thrilled and honored to have you on with us. We had one of your co-hosts on with us before, uh, not too long ago, and we had a lot of fun doing that. So we were uh, we were thrilled and seriously honored. Like, honestly, you know, I mean that. I know that Blades feels the same way. So, Hell yeah. We, yeah, we appreciate you sharing your time with us. Yeah, uh, Brayden came on and said it was a pretty fun time. Uh, you guys are pretty laid back, and uh, so that fits that fits with my uh, it jams with my personality. So I'm you know I'm happy to come on. That's happy cool, man. Cool. Yeah, we were excited, man. We were excited excited about it. Um, now this is we don't plan for this to be a, a, an interview per se. You know, we kind of just want to have a conversation, and we do have a couple of questions for you. Um, one thing, uh, when Brayden was on, he kind of he kind of went over the history of of your show. But 
just for a refresher or for anybody who hasn't heard that one, can you give us a quick uh, a quick rundown of, of who you are and how you guys got started? Sure. Um, so uh, all of us, the four co-hosts of Alien Theorists Theorizing, that would be Brayden, Zell, uh, me, and Andrew. Um, we're all from pretty different Actually, not all that different. Braden Zell and Andrew know each other. They've known each other since uh, high school, at least. And then Braden and Zell have been friends since, like, they were kids, like, since before they could walk. Um, Braden and I met when we were both teaching English in Thailand. And, yeah, I went out there because, um, you know, I just got out of the military. And I was like, Thailand's a place that I really enjoy. So I went out there and um, to teach English, which I, I actually enjoy. And now I've got my master's in it. So that's pretty neat. Oh, nice. And then, um, uh, yeah, so we would sit around sometimes and it's like, you know, it's not people think of Thailand. It's like party, party, party all the time. But like when you're on a teacher's salary, we're not partying all the time. We would just hang out together. Uh, Braden lived in the same. You know, we were neighbors, like our apartments were on the same floor. So we just like right next to each other. So sometimes we'd sit down and just like have a couple beers and we'd sit down we both watch ancient aliens and sit there and kind of be like like i i always was intrigued by the way they would define people as or they would title people as ancient alien theorists and i was always like well how how can you <laughs> what qualifies you to be an ancient alien theorist because as far right. as i know it's not a proven theory like it's not it's not a proven hypothesis there's no like 100% solid smoking gun evidence. So how, how, how do you do that? I was like, really, anybody who's talking about ancient aliens can be an ancient alien theorist. Right, right. They very easily qualify people on that show. So we kind of just like, we said, well, you know, because I, I had started listening to podcasts there in Thailand because I didn't I didn't have TV for like the longest time. I didn't get a, I didn't set up a, a TV subscription or anything like that. So I usually just had internet. And, you know, I'd stream TV shows and stuff like that. But usually I would just be happy just putting on a podcast and stuff like that. And I said, oh, man, then, you know, I think we thought about it at one point. We're like, you know, we could do a podcast or something like that. And then Braden mentioned his friend, Ryan Zell. And um, we thought, oh, OK, cool. Like, you know, I, I never thought it would it really like become anything. I was just kind of like, oh, that's just kind of a cool idea. And I guess they started doing it. And then I kind of had told Braden at one point before where I was like, you know, I, he's like, he asked me for topics or something. I said, oh, well, I always think like for alien theorists, if you want to talk about aliens or th like something that kind of loops all the conspiracies all together, then I was like, you can't get any better than Operation High Jump. And I said, oh, okay. You know, so, you know, he's like, well, why don't you come on and talk about Operation High Jump? And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I was like, Operation High Jump's cool. Conspiracy theory loops in, you know, World War II, Nazis, in a UFOs secret bases it, it loops it kind of you know lumps all that stuff together so we were like you know so he got, had me come on i did my research and um which i'm you know I, that's a, i guess that's a skill i'm pretty good at <laughs> and so i you know i brought on there and had the topic and they're like you know uh we should just keep doing this so I'm just, okay well we keep doing it something we enjoy and uh now here we are <laughs> here we are like three years later or something like doing it and um you know you know hanging out with uh going to alien con and and right. hanging out with nick pope and hugh newman and the, right. the talent room and we're like it's sitting across the sitting across the table from george knapp and all his all his stuff and we're just like wow this is 
this is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You're like, you're legit. You're official, you know? Yeah, we always, we always freak out when we, when we go to these, these, like we go to conventions and stuff. We go to Alien Con and things like that. I know we went to our first Alien Con and I hopped up there to ask some question to the Ancient Aliens panel. And like, I said, oh yeah, I'm Dan from Ancient Aliens. And there was like people like yelling in the back, like, woo, right. not just Ray <laughs> Denzel and all them, but like, yeah, other people. <laughs> And they were like, yeah, we listen to you guys. Can you like sign our stuff? And I was like, wow, that's, that's weird. <laughs> Man, I'm sure that felt good though. It's, yeah, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a weird feeling, you know, yeah. uh, for someone who like me, he's, uh, in education. Honestly, sometimes it's like just anxiety. Cause it's like, God damn, I don't want to say the, the wrong thing. Like, it, right. you know. um, but yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride and, uh, yeah, we'll keep, we'll keep doing what we do. We enjoy doing it. So here we are. Oh yeah, that's awesome, man. It seems to me that you're growing all the time, you know. Yeah, it seems that way, which is always really weird to us. Like we got, I mean, uh, we keep getting new people come all the time. People, we get messages like every, pretty much like we get two or three a week and say, "Hey, I just found out your podcast," and it's it's a lot of. I think I think a lot of it has to do with just kind of the the, the way that work culture is now. People working the long shifts, the, yeah. the the early hour shifts, and all that stuff, and they get on. And now with the kind of the, the evolution and proliferation of podcast culture, you just kind of have there's always podcasts out there for whatever, and we just happen to churn out stuff that yeah, people enjoy listening to. So I you know I'm I'm super happy about it, and we're all super happy about it that people like to listen to us you know, either get, you know, moderately drunk and, and talk <laughs> and ramble on about our ideas about how the universe works or how aliens are, you know, controlling our brainwaves or something like that. <laughs> Blades, uh, you had something? No, I was just saying, like, I, I hope you guys keep it up, you know, continue on. Yeah, we'll keep doing it. Yeah. Um, 2020 is going to be a big year. So, like, look out to that. Uh, I, I, we've been, honestly, we've been, like, pretty busy the last couple weeks or stuff because we've gotten people coming in and calling us to go to um uh we got a thing about contact in the desert like they kind of want us to go there and give us press passes and stuff and, and we've been talking to them we don't know if we're going to do that um we just uh we got in contact with a guy uh daniel kraus who's a new york times best-selling author uh he mm -hmm. wrote the novelizations for um guillermo del toro's uh the shape of water mm -hmm. Oh, and nice. also the novelization for his Troll Hunters series, which is a, a series on on Netflix and stuff. Um, but yeah, we, we sometimes we get these emails from people. And we're like, who are these people? And you go look up, and you're like, what? They want to come on our show? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so yeah, That's, so it's 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 gonna be a it's gonna be a wild year. Um, there's there's a couple little. There's probably gonna be a little bit, a couple changes coming to the podcast. Not much, no big changes. We're still who we are, and uh, we still enjoy what we're doing, which is like the biggest. That's kind of the biggest thing when you when you're doing these kinds of things. Just keep enjoying doing what you're doing. Yeah, with all those people wanting to come on your show, that's how you know that you've reached like top tier right there. Well, yeah, that's what that's what we hear. Um, you know, I it, like people like well, people like not all the time, but it's we get emails from from people trying to push their books or stuff like that, which is kind of like, you know, I'm sure, I mean, podcasts are a great way to kind of be like, oh yeah, check out my book or stuff like that. And we've, um, some authors, like the last one we had on Mike Rothschild, like we had him come on, like I actively went out and looked for him. Like I, I, I saw some articles he had written and I said, I was, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. 
and I want him to see if we could get him on. We contacted him through Twitter and and he said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come on. And I'm always I am always kind of um, want to know like when people like they say because I'm pretty sure like most of the, the people who have come on our podcast, like they never listen to our show. And I'm like, <laughs> do, like, do you guys go listen to our show before we come on or, <laughs> you know, right. like, do, do you think we take some of this stuff like super seriously? Because sometimes people <laughs> come on and they it's like. They'll start talking about stuff, and we're like, we are not on board with this. Yeah, <laughs> like the the episode I keep coming back to was like with the flat Earth guys, the first one. Uh, like they were totally into it, and they thought that maybe you guys would be into it too, but <laughs> you just weren't really feeling it. Yeah, I I, I remember them. Uh, I remember when Zell said he booked these these flat Earther guys who he was bringing them on the show, and I flat out told him. I flat out told Braden and Zell, I was like, I'm not going to be on that one. <laughs> I told him, I'm, not, I'm not going on that one. I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to talk to these guys. It's not going to be a productive conversation. And it's just going to be me. Like, I, 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 within our group, I think I've earned the biggest, biggest title of like asshole skeptic most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, you know, I, I, I agree to some I agree to some degree that that is often the the part that I play, but it's usually I just put out, you know, if, if it's something that I've heard about or it's something I've read about, yeah. that's kind of the problem sometimes when you have a, you know, when you're an extensive reader, you're just like, you've come across like, no, that's a myth. Yeah. Like, oh, right. you know, it's like, that's an absolute myth. Like that's been disproven. And like, there was a study done at this point or whatever, but you know, I am, I am, I, we had a conversation you know, earlier, uh, I think like last week or something, and they were giving they were giving me a hard time about being a skeptic and stuff like that, and how I try to like how I try to pretty much shit on all the all the theories and stuff. And I told him, I said, no, <laughs> not not all the time. I'm 100 percent right. on board for cryptids and UFOs and ancient civilizations. I'm always in on that. I never say that that is that that stuff is 100 percent wrong or it couldn't be true. You know, as like. For me, my usual motto is kind of it's improbable, but not impossible. Right. So, but there are some things that are more probable than others. And those are usually the things that actually happen. So I, I go right, by right. that most of the time. Um, but I'm always, I never say that I, I don't believe someone. I never believe that someone didn't see something yeah. or came across something or found something. You know, right. I just when somebody makes a claim, you know, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. So if you're going to tell me you found ancient writing on, uh, <laughs> you know, stone discs with like silicon wiring through them that are from like 9000 BC, I'm like, cool, let me take a look at those and, you know, send those to like in an electrical spectrography you know, lab and have them run it over and do a couple tests and then do like, you know, four or five tests on it. And we can actually see that. But if you don't produce that said evidence, then it's like, okay, well then you, you probably are bullshitting me. So. Right. right. If you, if no, you're see, making all those grandiose claims that you've got to have the evidence to back it up. Of course. See, see, my thing is I'm a, I'm kind of of the belief that you don't necessarily have to have evidence in order for the thing to be true, but without the evidence, it makes it far less likely to be true. Uh, you know, so yeah, I, I, understand, can, I understand that. I can always believe 
that someone believes that they saw something and I'm not going right. to question. I'm not going to 100% question. I will ask some questions. I'll be like, okay. A lot of people say, you know, if someone, for example, sends me a video of like, oh, this is a UFO. And I'm like, okay, what time of day did you see it? What right. was the weather like? You know, okay. And then the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to type into my computer the exact date, exact time. I'm going to look at the, I'm going to look at the astronomical, like the, you know, astronomical report, whatever. I'm going to look at the, you know, astronomy wise. I'm like, <laughs> okay, what was in the, what was in the sky that night that could possibly be this? And I would, you know, I, because I, I, you know, somebody posted a, somebody posted a, a meme or something and, and it was like, I don't, I don't want to believe I want to know. There you go. Nice. Yeah. And so I'm always, you know, I'm looking at, so I want to eliminate the possibility that it could be anything else and be like, okay, this is 100% UFO. I don't want to rely, you know, I've, you know, doing my master's program and all that is like, you know, you, you, you learn to kind of write academic papers and you learn how to like sift through evidence and, and, and statistics. And that's mostly a what it is is just like writing papers and, and how to like <laughs> most of it's like cherry picking right it's like cherry picking data and and, yeah. and things that support your your claims or, or however your methods and so you know i like to go i go through these reports or these claims that people sell something and then like if i go through all that and i say and i was like okay there's no stars moving at that point there weren't any meteor showers that day and that's why I was like, well, there's a there's now a statistically, you know, higher chance that you saw an actual UFO or something like that. So, I mean, and that I'm I'm more prone to be like, OK, yeah, cool. Ruby. But, you know, if you're going to tell me that, you know, aliens implanted something in my body and, you know, it's been in there and it's listening to my thoughts. I'm like, OK, well, we can, let's go get it out and then let's take a look at it. Yeah. <laughs> if, right, right. If you say no. They took it out. And they left no scar tissue and there's no evidence of anything ever being there and be like okay well now i only have to go on your i only have to go on your word and i don't know you yeah <laughs> and that's the kind of uh fantastical story that usually people are telling when they have the absence of proof they're like oh this and this happened but really i've got nothing to prove because they cleaned up so good after themselves that there's no way that anybody could ever tell yeah, and so I'm always, again, I'm just going to be on the super skeptical side about that and be like, okay, well, I believe that something might have happened to you and you believe that something happened to you, but you can't, I, I'm not going to be 100% on your side, right. you know, if, if you if you want to go ahead and say like, this is, you know, they named me the, 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 the human messiah and I'm here to save you from, you know, satanic demon aliens from the constellation Draco and I'm like, Okay, <laughs> right. So, when you get that proof, you you call me up, and then I'll, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll get on, I'll get on board. Yeah. See that I that's do. being so open minded that your brain falls out at that point. Yeah, it's a pretty. It's sometimes it's a little bit of a, a pretty thin line. <laughs> I do like your approach to it, though. You know, being being skeptical and but not just not just brushing somebody off like, well, you know, that's just bullshit. You know. Yeah. Um, I like that. Now, Blades and I, Blades, Blades, I think he, Blades says that he's an open-minded skeptic. You know, I think that's cool. Absolutely. I think I'm, I'm more of, I'm more of, I think I would say, what would you say, Blades? Like a hopeful skeptic? Yeah, you, because... you're, yeah, you're a little less skeptical than I am. Like I'm 
pretty much skeptical about everything, but it is fun to play around with all these, you know, all, all of these beliefs that people hold. Yeah, people will go ahead and, and, and you know, say a lot of strange things. And I'm like, but people have been saying strange things for thousands of years. So it's kind of like, <laughs> I'm like, if you're going to make these claims, sure. But it's nothing. Sometimes I, I hear things and I'm like, that that doesn't sound original at all. Like I go back and I, I look up their story and I'm like, well, it's got pieces of this story and it's got a little bit of this too. Right. And like somebody in 1967 said this one. So, yeah, you're just like, when you, if I can examine the story and then it, it, it fits together, but I think probably the most, like the most uh, telling part of a story is that it stays the same throughout a lot. It stands the test of time that they don't change any details. They don't add anything and it just stays the same throughout, you know, a long period of time so that's how you know when when people talk about you know they ask me like what's what's your favorite ufo case and like what would make you believe in alien abduction well i'd say the betty and barney hill case because it, well it was the first one first real reported one and first real famous one and like it's it's well documented you know and the story the story still stayed relatively the same throughout the entire time that they that every time they told the story it was pretty much the same nothing changed nothing got added so like that stuff is is thing is usually what what will convince me that it's like okay maybe something actually there's a good chance that something actually happened you know what that's pretty fair for the barney and, and betty case but for me it, it loses a little bit more credibility when uh, in her later years, she was saying a lot more stuff like, yeah, I've seen Bigfoot a bunch of times, you know, and stuff like that. Like she was saying entirely too much. You know what I mean? Right. And so, yeah, again, that would, yeah, that would definitely dent the credibility on the story because it's like, well, is that, you know, that kind of brings in, you know, other factors that be like, okay, is it dementia? Is it something right. that... Um, you know, maybe the fame has gone to her head and that's kind of just become delusional at some point. You know, that can happen. And if, if, if she go ahead and changes the story, then it's like, well, yeah, okay, maybe we re-examine that at some point. But, you know, I can't for sure say that every alien abduction case is is not true. You know, if somebody's going to go ahead and, and again, make these claims that they're being taken by aliens every single night, uh, then I'd be like, OK, well, why don't you why don't you set up a video camera? <laughs> yeah, do do some uh, paranormal activity type shit. Yeah. So it's a, you know, being a I wouldn't call us paranormal investigators because we don't actively investigate anything, but kind of, you know, being plumbers of the esoteric you know it's just kind of like you some of the times we've actually been a lot of times i think we've actually been more disappointed than we are you know we will get into a case we'll say oh this sounds really cool and we'll get into it and then we'll realize that oh this is from uh this is from a this is from a website facebook story that somebody posted and has absolutely no evidence to support it whatsoever you know yeah. and it all comes from this one it all it comes from this one source so you like track it back to like this one one blurb in a tabloid and it popped up and then somebody grabbed a hold of it and just like ran with it and it's like oh 
well, yeah. uh, that was kind of cool. Like <laughs> for like a minute, we thought that was gonna be yeah. really fun, and they were like, oh wait. <laughs> or or when you just when you start discussing it and you're excited about it, but then along the way, you you start poking holes in it yourself. You know, Blaze Blaze and I do that because, like he said, I'm I'm much more of a hopeful believer than blades is you know I, I go into certain things like yeah yeah i really believe that this could very well be true and then we talk about it more and then by the end i'm like all right well so that's that's not a real thing yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> but it was still pretty cool to talk about you know it's it's entertainment i feel like it's yeah. safe to approach this like it's entertainment it's yeah, really, it's, it's a lot of fun to kick around the ideas. It's just when you fall down that rabbit hole of being so hopeful that you want to believe everything. Um, I don't know. That's where your head kind of gets fucked up. Yeah. It's always, it's just sometimes like I, th there are some topics like more than others where I'm like, okay, are we, are we doing this because like we actually believe in this 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 topic like we actually are going to go into it being like okay we believe this or um and we kind of want to support it and be like okay maybe we, there's some things that people can do or people can look at for themselves and want to do it and it's like or are we doing this just purely as like you guys said like entertainment so if we look at it and being like okay um this is this has actively been disproven like there there are things that support that this this theory or um, this topic is has it been engineered or manufactured in some way to discredit another person, and then and then are we gonna try to like disprove it? Are you gonna or do we just want to be like yeah no that person's a mass murderer one hundred percent you know that's like whatever that's you know so sometimes you run across those ones which are the ones that are kind of difficult and sometimes we have to have a long discussion as to whether we're gonna do those ones or not. Yeah. I really like how you guys broke down the Elisa Lam one. I mean, that that was just a really frightening case, but you you didn't add the um, you didn't add the element of suspense and horror to it. It kind of went along with it. But then as it came near the end, you know, you were dropping like all these logical explanations and it kind of took away like a lot of the mystery that was being talked about in the first part of the episode. Yeah, um I mean, mainly like, that's how I like to approach the things is like these, these are extraordinary. Again, these are extraordinary claims, extraordinary events, um, people seeing things, people reporting things, things like that. And like, I like the idea of UFOs. I, I like the idea of extraterrestrials. Of, and I love the idea of Bigfoot or cryptids or anything like that. I was like, I, I've never, I never 100% said that you know, those things don't exist. And these people that are seeing these things are crazy. I'm not going to say right. that, of course. Um, but uh, breaking stuff down into its logical parts and being like, okay, well, this could be explained by this. This could be explained by this. This could be explained by this. It, do it doesn't mean that we don't believe it. We're just saying that it there the probability of that being some, you know, invis you know, Harry Potter invisibility cloak you know, manufacturer had this girl killed <laughs> or something like that. It's like, that sounds a little, that, that sounds way more improbable than, than something either she was, you know, on drugs or, you know, something else happened even, but even like the, the idea of having some sort of serial murder or something like that is, has a higher probability than some, some offshoot company, uh, who manufactures secret invisibility technology would 
put themselves and put them and their brand and their and their technology at risk by murdering some low level person. That's what they want you to think. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah. I'm always happy. Yeah, if somebody adds that on the end, I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's that's totally uh it's totally a possibility. <laughs> so now Blaze has mentioned to me a number of times that uh the uh Elisa Lamb case file was his favorite show or, or one of his favorite shows that you guys did so i was interested in knowing some of yours uh my my app two of my favorites that come to mind are actually <laughs> like those ones are actually on our um on our confidential feed and those are the ones that do uh that brayden and i did and we dealt with number one was operation gladio and then one was uh project azorian and operation gladio uh, was the is an actual thing, uh, like 100% true. Uh, the it was the formation of these basically privately, well, C, like proto CIA into early formate early days of the CIA funded uh, militias, private armies in countries like Italy and Switzerland and and Germany and places like this, and they were actively recruiting. Um, XSS, um, Eisengruppen, like all those guys, special forces, high ranking Nazis to basically train uh, these mercenaries and they would actively sow discord and they would try to, um, the CIA's view was they were using them to try and combat the spread of communism throughout Europe. So um, not only was it these, these, they weren't all made up of like, you know, it wasn't just all Nazis. It wasn't just a whole bunch of Nazis. It was actually like, you know, they had people who were, you know, parts of political extremists and those kind of political extreme groups and stuff like this. And they were using them and funding them, uh, providing them with weapons, you know, logistics, things like that, in order for them to um, uh, metal and and things like elections, like uh, you know, uh, political elections, um, uh, demonstrations, uh, things like that. So that's one of my favorites because that one actually is one hundred percent true, right. and all the shit that goes with it is is nuts because it there are connections between how the CIA um, made connections uh, with the mafia and the mafia made connections with the Catholic Church and the Catholic Church had their connections with all through Europe and things like this, but it was basically how the CIA ran this, the, ran their game through the mafia and the Catholic church and kind of built this in huge, you know, drug and arms, uh, smuggling mercenary army all throughout Europe, which was pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, see, that's that was, a, like, that's a conspiracy that. I can get behind right there. Like that's something yeah. I believe. Like that was, you don't have to believe it because it's 100% <laughs> true. <laughs> all true. Um, you know, so, like, yeah, there's following that one down the rabbit hole is really fun. That one's got legs. And so then, go yeah, go ahead. Well, that's, that's interesting to me. Now, one, one thing that we correct people on a lot, uh, whenever, like whenever friends of ours talk about our show is they say that, you know, they, they call us a conspiracy theory show because, you know, it all gets lumped in together, uh, paranormal and conspiracy theories. Once in a while, we'll touch on some things like that, but it's not really what we really get into. But that right there reminds me of 
certain some conspiracies, like the whole like uh, what was his name? Uh, Smetley Smetley Butler is that his name? Mm, I I don't have the knowledge off the top of my head. Smetley Butler. Okay, that's something that you should look into. I don't want to really get into it right now because. I'll mess it all up. I've had, <laughs> I've had uh, some some pretty bad head injuries, so I can't really go off of uh, memory. But it's an actual conspiracy. It's not a theory. It's it's something that the, the lid was blown off. Um, uh, giants of industry and and uh, and uh, you know some pretty major uh, political uh, figures. Well, not really political, but. Uh, pretty much heads of industry, people with lots of money and influence uh, decided at one point that they just wanted to overthrow the government. They wanted to just take over. So they approached this, uh, they approached, I think it was a general, general, I, I might be messing up his name, but something tells no, me. No, I'm pulling up. Smedley Darlington Butler. There you go. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. If you guys haven't gotten into that, I, I feel like that's something interesting to talk about. That's another one that's 100% oh, yeah. true. Absolutely happened. Yeah, the uh, you don't what is this? He was involved in a controversy known as the business plot, and so yeah, it would, like you said, no, you got it right. So it's a congressional committee um, of wealthy industrialists who wanted to overthrow the government and basically a military coup within the United States. Yeah, yeah, so sounds we, fine. Uh, That's a different. Um, I would not be surprised that that is on some somebody took that and has some alternate history novel up about how the fascists. <laughs> The rise of fascism in the United States at that point. I could I could see that happening. That would be interesting. Would be cool. very interesting. Now, do you know that that reminds me right there? I'm going off into a little something else, but that what you just said reminds me that uh, uh, Dan, did you ever watch V? Uh, I've watched like the first two episodes or so, okay. and then I I didn't really catch the rest of it. But okay. uh, yeah, I, I know of it. The original or the uh, the remake? Yeah, I was uh, just about remake, to ask that. Remake, yeah, the, the most recent one. I remember watching that. Okay, okay. Um, and I, I don't I don't know how old you are. I'm not gonna guess, <laughs> but um, well, Blades and I we watched the original back in the '80s. You know, we're kids, and uh, I found out that it originally had nothing to do with aliens. Uh, it was supposed to be pretty much about a. Uh, uh, government uh, a takeover um but there was supposed to be nothing science fiction about it whatsoever it was just uh just an alternate history type of thing but i guess the, i guess the network or the producers or whoever the money was behind it said you know what this this is boring nobody wants to see this where are the aliens so they added aliens that's what yeah. that came yeah that makes a lot of sense um I mean, it, you know, it's in this, that that sounds like in a similar vein of you know the whole man in the heist castle, uh, plot line wise, which is always pretty interesting to me because you know when I I read some articles about you know that time in the United States and like pre World War II kind of stuff where it's like no like having a fascist America like we were we were kind of close at some points like it was kind of touch and go, <laughs> like there were a lot of people who were you know Nazi sympathizers like it was kind of like well they've got a um, you know. It, it was reported, I know, that, uh, you know, at least Hitler and his circle and his political party always had great respect for Americans because they thought we were of similar mindsets of like how we, <laughs> how we saw the world, you know, and it was always kind of like, well, it's like things could have definitely turned like if, if the United States had never entered into World War Two, you know, it's, it's interesting and terrifying to think about that, um, you know, their ideology would have meshed 
pretty would have probably meshed pretty well with the idea set of of the time of that of the like 1930s 1940s america yeah and i I think it would at that time because uh, i'm not a big history buff but from what i recall uh, i was reading something about 10 or 15 years ago and they were talking about like a lot of the things that hitler was saying um a lot of people were in line with that and they were kind of i guess you could call them like american nazis or something yeah um so yeah if uh i think that i don't think that was one of the reasons that we entered the war i think it was for an entirely different reason uh yeah i mean we entered the war basically because uh, you know japan attacked us so it was kind of like well okay <laughs> um, but I thought that was a different up. part like, of World War II, right there, though, right? Yeah. There's, See, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of controversy around that as well as to whether you know um, Pearl Harbor was kind of a, a false flag, and we've kind of talked we talked about it a little bit on our on our show. I don't think we've done a full case file about it um, about whether either Roosevelt knew or you know willfully facilitated our hap or just through inaction didn't actively prevent the attack on Pearl Harbor there there's some there there are a bit of you know a couple of uh loose ends the kind of things that kind of point towards um the United States at high levels knew that Japan was gearing up to take us on and that there were preparations being made specifically for an attack on the United States, but we didn't do anything. And that that was because uh, Franklin Roosevelt and those in his administration were looking for a reason to get into the war. You know? Oh, damn. I'm going to have to do my research on that. Yeah, there's there, there's some pretty there's some pretty convincing stuff out there about that. And um, I've heard I like I heard about it a long time ago and I was like, you know what? That kind of that kind of would kind of make sense because it's not like like it hasn't been kind of done before where it's like there was an event and and it got us into the war you know there's the spanish-american war um and like world war one and those things and it's just like well like yeah maybe that was that was something else because i've heard that the the ships that were the ship the, the the fleet that was harbored at pearl harbor necessarily the ones that were actually hit were actually out of date battleships like battleships that either do to be scrapped or they were going to be mothballed or they were going to be uh, decommissioned uh, sometime in the near future and that those there was a small there was a smaller part of the fleet that was on maneuvers on the other side of the island uh, that day uh, they had been scheduled to be put out and they were the those were the more like important ones like aircraft carriers or the more uh, relatively advanced part of the fleet that you know you wouldn't want to lose um, if you were going to go to war at that time even though like we, they sunk all those battleships and things in Pearl Harbor, you know, with our, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't to us, it, it technically wouldn't be that big a deal because we had the resources and the manpower. And we were, you know, by the time, like a couple of years later, you're churning out ships like every, like, you know, every couple of weeks mm-hmm. you out a new ship. So there's, there's that. So I, whether, whether that's, whether that's true or not. You know, you have to look at the evidence. It's a historical event. So as you just take it, they're like, hmm, maybe that could have happened. Maybe that could have happened. 
Right. Now, yeah. was there radar back then? Um, they did have radar back then, like a little bit. There was a, there was like a radio, there was like a radar. I believe there's a radar station, at least one on the things. But even if you had radar, it's not like you pick it up because they could, they could call it in. But even then, like you wouldn't have been able to move those ships. Oh, like okay. That. Yeah. That's like what I was you, wondering. You didn't know that that fleet was coming if you didn't pick them up. Cause I think it's reported that the, the Japanese were, were, were ordered to like strict uh, radio silence so it wasn't like you're going to pick them up if you weren't looking for the radio frequencies or if you weren't scanning the re- you know radio frequencies looking for them you weren't going to just turn it up and even if it if you did hear Japanese you wouldn't know what was happening so if nobody told <laughs> them that the radar is only good for up to probably a couple miles and not that far like I don't think we had super advanced radar technology at that point or um, even before that because we talked about the, uh, the whole um, battle of LA and that was like a whole that was a whole deal and where the radar that they had back then i read up on it and it was like we had really outdated radar technology we hadn't been yes. really developing um that part of our arsenal at that point so you know if they picked up planes first they'd have to identify it they'd have to call it in be yeah. like okay you know figure out what this is you know and i you know i was in the military so even like even now it's hard to like get get things moving any quickly like quicker than that you would you would like something to be taken care of <laughs> so i could see them being like hey what is that on the radar like that's not supposed to be there and then waiting a minute to be like okay maybe it's a bird yeah or maybe it's one of our own planes or something like that so you know that oh shit there's like a hundred of them and then it's like oh we're <laughs> fucked so you know so yeah if, even if they did have radar probably wouldn't have seen it till it was too late yeah, and, even but, if it even if it did ping on the radar, that it would just be n- nothing they could do about it. Yeah, at that point, it's it's already too late. You're just like, just call in and and try to you know prevent as much, or at least throw as much flak back into the air as you can. But it wasn't really anything you do, especially if those if those ships were in dock. It's not like they can move them because you know, I know just from the ship that I worked on was like it takes like two days to get that thing moving. Like you gotta you gotta get everything going the first day and then you got to get everything moving like the the second day to actually pull it out so it's like and that that ship was from like the 60s so it's like i can't (laughs) imagine what it was like using one of these battleships like getting them to go well good point it's it's a fun it's a fun little one to to, there's a lot of stuff to go on for that one that's it's a good one to look into um yeah but i gotta i can go off off topic there (laughs) (laughs) that's That's all right it's kind of par for the course here but that was really cool and and actually enlightening some things that you know I hadn't thought thought about before. So yeah, yeah that was really cool. I, yeah, I always enjoy I enjoy historical conspiracies, mostly like those ones that kind of you know these ones do have legs or there are actual testimony to kind of prove this. There's a lot of weird stuff about that one, which are really fun. So that kind of brings me to my my second favorite one is probably Project Exorian, which was the secret CIA operation. Uh, that they uh, pretty much co-opted the help of Howard Hughes to build an entirely new type of ship to go and recover a sunken Russian nuclear sub. And that was a pretty cool one because it was like 100% super neato. Like they built the ship all in like total secrecy. Um, They had, they, they built like a special uh like it uh, it was like a special underwater dock it's not underwater docks so like a floating dock facility 
that they could kind of hide the ship in. Like they they took all the parts and they they assembled it within complete secrecy, uh, so they could put it all together and and test out the retrieval um, things. They gave this they made up this whole elaborate story about um, they were going to take the ship out and it was going to be used for mining. Uh, what was it? It wasn't zinc. It was some sort of some sort of mineral. I can't remember. It's it's um, not zinc, but they were looking for some sort of mineral deposits on the bottom of the ocean uh, that were really important. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but um, that was their their cover story for it. And they were like, yeah, we're going to take it out there. But it was because the CIA knew that this uh, that this specific Russian submarine had sunk and that the Russians couldn't find it. It ended up sinking in, a, in, a, in an area where um, the Russians had like kind of lost contact with it. So it kind of moved so that the, the CIA had been monitoring the retrieval operations and knew that the Russians couldn't find it. So they said, but they knew where it was. So they got this whole, you know, elaborate scheme going where they built this, uh, they, they, you know, they, they basically built a, a whole new ship. It's called the, um, I think it's called the Hughes Explorer. It's, they still use it because it's re- it was relatively advanced at the time. And they wanted to retrieve this shit. They wanted to retrieve this sub because they knew that it had um, Russian designed nuclear missiles aboard. And they wanted to get them and, and take a look at them. And that's why they, they had to go get it. So they built this entirely new um, retrieval mechanism. It was like a giant, it was basically like a giant, giant uh, claw, giant like grabby claw type deal. Um, but it's, it's absolutely cool. Like there's a, there's a, there's a documentary on Amazon about it. And it's, it's, it's just, it's mind blowing. You're just like, what really? Like they put all these people on there and like the, the crew had no idea what they were doing until like the day they got there. Like they, they, they got to what they were doing, um, kept totally in the dark, had to operate. Um, you know, they were telling engineers like, we need you, we need you to design this. And they're like, well, what's it for? Because we kind of need to know, like, uh, you know, what kind of metals do we need to use? What type of materials? What are the, what are the stresses? And they're like, we can't tell you that. <laughs> just do it. Like, so okay. they compartmentalized <laughs> everything. Yeah. And it's just like, it, it's it's really, it's a really neat story. Um, and it's just like, yeah, that that's a real, that was a real, I guess you could say military cover up or, or secret operation and things like that. But it, yeah, it's, 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 it was really, um, eye-opening and really really telling for the time but it's a it's a great story so those are my two those are probably my two favorite ones because it's like those stuff actually happened and like right. yeah <laughs> yeah it's cool so okay so you're definitely into the historical uh conspiracies so yeah man i i really want you to look into the smetley butler uh case uh not necessarily that you have to do it on the show if you don't want to but just you know for your own interest i think that's something that uh you would really be interested in just, yeah uh, so it's, yeah yourself. definitely it sounds like something right up my alley so i will check that out for sure cool cool man yeah so uh yeah so we're gonna go ahead and wrap this part up but before we do i have one more question for you sure one last question all right f mary kill andrew zell Braden. go <laughs> Mary <laughs> Kill. Let's see. Um, probably F F Andrew Mary Zell. I have to kill Braden because he's, <laughs> because he's num- because he comes in. Num- he comes number one. Then I no. Who will be? No wait. Oh shit! <laughs> I forgot the numbers here. No. Well, that would make Andrew. No, that would make Andrew number one theorist on our poll. <laughs> 
somebody put up a, somebody posted a fantastic poll and it was like who's your favorite theorist and it was like all it was like one Braden, two Andrew, three me, and then Selva Sports. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was rough. Oh man! That so put wild. him in that order. But it's like, no, yeah, probably still kill Braden because his head's getting a little too big. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting a little full of yourself, Braden. Braden, <laughs> man, it's coming for you. you. <laughs> we coming for you, Braden. <laughs> One spot away from. Well, you know, from number one theorist on the show. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Now, who does who does right. most of the research? I just want to know that. Is like, is it you who do like a lot of the research, or do you guys kind of split it up? Uh, we all do our own types of research. Um, it's kind of uh, the the roles kind of evolved over the over the things. Like sometimes some of us don't get a chance to. We're busy and like we you know we don't get a chance to research or something like that. But um, usually usually it's me who comes in with the most stuff. Um, but I, every, everybody has something to contribute. They always bring in stuff that I'm like, I didn't read that, but that's cool. Like, I didn't hear about that. That's neat. So, but we've started kind of like putting our group notes together. We're getting better at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. It's a process. Confirmed sighting. Confirmed sighting. Usually, Blaze, you and I, we talk about maybe sci-fi, some horror, books, movies, comic books, video games, cartoons, whatever, something that we might be into, something that uh, something that we recently watched, right? You know, mm-hmm. we've done, what have we done so far? We've done uh, Misfits of Science. Yep. We did uh, Pumpkinhead. Yep, Pumpkinhead. That was our Halloween special. Uh, recently, I recorded a bunch of stuff. Uh, the Mandalorian, Lost in Space. So, yeah, a lot of the newer Netflix shows. Um, it's, it's cool. It's cool because, you know, you and I have that bond where we're into our sci-fi, a little bit of horror. But we're kind of doing something a little different today. We got our boy, Dan. That's <laughs> we right. We got our boy, Dan. And Dan agreed. Dan, you're going to tell us a little bit about something that maybe that you're into, some sci-fi or horror that you've been into lately? Uh, let's see. Sci-fi and stuff that I've been into later. Um yeah, I mean, I'm happy to talk about the Mandalorian. I watched, I watched that, that that recently. I guess that's pretty, that's that's topical, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think? Um, I like it. Like, I well, I like everything after episode two. Like, I was, I was, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I waited until I waited until it finished. I waited until it finished to actually watch it. So I binged it pretty much all in one go. And I'm glad I did it like that because it's like if I would have been watching like the first episode and the second episode, I would have gave up completely. <laughs> I was like, nope, I'm done. Oh, I'm okay. Watch this. Um, but I'm glad. I'm glad I, I kept watching. And then once I got to the third episode, I was like, this is this is what I want. Like this this is the kind of thing that I want. Um, that's the kind of show I wanted to turn it in that I wanted it to be, and uh, or what I was expecting, I guess. And I was like, yeah, this is this is this is fun. So then up until that, and then I think episode six, uh, that they had Bill Burr um, come on and guest star. Like, that was fantastic. Like, the Prison Break episode, I was like, yes, this is also what I expected. And this is, this seems really cool. Like, this, this, this shit is right here, you know? Um, and, and yeah, and so the last couple episodes, and then, you know, that last episode, little, little uh, kind of nod that they had to either the Clone Wars or, or stuff like that. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I will. I will keep watching. <laughs> huh. 
Yeah, no. Like, Did, um, is that about where you were with it? Uh, kind of. I, I, I still haven't seen it. Yeah, you got to watch it. But I, as it neared the end of the final episode, I didn't like how they did it where, uh, like I had spoken of this on the previous episode, where I said, you know, the character development, it was, it felt like a little rushed. Especially the part where, you know, throughout the whole, the first season, he pretty much hates droids. He doesn't want anything to do with them. And then all of a sudden, like, the droid sacrifices himself and the guy does a complete turnaround. Like, instead of, like, saying, oh, I'd rather die than be saved by you, it's, uh, like, he just allows him to save him. It's really yeah, weird. It's, um, th- yeah, there were definitely bits of pieces, like, um, yeah, I like the very first episode where it's like, okay, they're going to make this part of his character, you know, his character thing. And it's like, okay, he's going to hate droids. And then it's like, okay, but then he turns and works with this droid like right away. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, all right, weird, but all right. Um, you know, so there are little bits and pieces where I was like, uh, yeah, maybe that wasn't wholly thought out or, you know, but I, you know, if I, by the, the last couple, yeah, but I'd say probably four five and six were the best episodes and then like the last kind of two were just kind of like meh like that's that's okay but like there's too much deus ex machina like i'm gonna show it like this is gonna show up at the right time (laughs) yeah whatever and it's like there's no real suspense or or, there's stuff like that kind of but um i i really i was hoping for it to be i I don't think they needed like an overarching kind of story that they did i was kind of hoping for kind of little little one shots uh, oh, like, like all standalone like episodes just going out and doing cool shit. Yeah. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Like, um, you know, either kind of like supernatural back when they didn't have like all the, uh, all of their kind of through story that they used yeah. to have. just being like going out, dealing with situations like, like yeah. freaking Scooby-Doo, you know, it's like they go out, <laughs> deal with this certain situation or Firefly, like Firefly didn't really, it, that's what I was kind of thinking that it was going to be. It was going to be space Western. Yeah. Where it's like they just, there are certain situations they get into and they deal with it. And the Mandalorian's a badass and like him just doing cool shit and, and murdering fools and like that's how I, I was think it was gonna be and so four or five and six were pretty much that and i was like yeah all right cool groovy like <laughs> now this is, this have you ever watched be. farscape yeah i've watched farscape i really like that show. The, yeah i love that show the prison break episode on mandalorian reminded me of one of the prison break episodes from farscape yeah it fo- it definitely followed like a, a you know the prison break formula yeah of, of that kind of thing going on and you know like you know they're gonna turn on mando or whatever and it's just kind of like it, it just follows that some some stuff seems kind of played out but i thought they did a really good job of it i thought like the kind of the characters that are on the thing made you dislike them enough to be like okay yeah this is this is cool like yeah these are some shady fuckers like <laughs> <laughs> yep exactly um you know and Mando's not this i guess he's not also part of it's like okay well you know, apparently at some point he used to be even more of a badass, I guess, kind of like, I guess more because if he worked with these people in the past, and you know, it's just like, well, what happened? Like, yeah. when did you become all like, kind of like, <laughs> I'm going to say baby Yoda's and, you know, think about settling down at some point, like what happened or, or whatever. So I don't know. Some of it's a little bit. Yeah. Some of it's a little bit like, I don't think you guys thought this all the way through, but all right. Like. We'll see. It's, it's yeah. not. It's not bad. Um, like I said, I thought the first two episodes were kind of dumb. I thought you could, if you just skip past those two, I feel like you wouldn't miss anything. No, and probably not. Like a, yeah. So that's 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 whatever. But that's me. You know, I'm a. You know, I think um, Zell Zell is 
describe me as a Star Wars snob, and I'm I tend to agree with them. I'm like, yeah. Okay, I was I was I, gonna ask how into you are Star Wars. I I like I like Star Wars. Did I like the new trilogy? No, I hated it. I thought it was bad, but not because like I didn't. I thought it was just objectively bad. Like I was like the story wasn't any good. None of the characters are any are yeah, good, man. and like even in the basic basic character writing class like you go back to like sixth grade english about writing a story and it's like none of these characters are fleshed out well-rounded yeah. any not of that compelling. not compelling yeah. at all yeah you so, you don't get a chance to care about the characters yeah so and, and you know i think that's the whole problem that a lot of people have said um that it was just a is a problem of vision you know it was like it, george lucas is a great big picture guy and like his when he has an overarching vision, he's got it. And when he hands it over to directors who know how to kind of bring that to the screen, like they did in Empire Strikes Back, he was like, you know, George Lucas wasn't the, the director, but, you know, he knew what the, the where the story needed to go. He knew what right. they needed to tell the story. And the director is like, I'm going to put that on screen. And he was good at doing it. So it's like when that happens, it, it works. When it's you've got like three different directors that have no idea whose story it is. You know, and they're not pulling from any source material. They're not pulling from any, you know, expanded universe stuff, which they which they could have 100 percent. Because once the story gets to like the final the final story, I was like, dude, there's I was like, there's tons of source material they could have pulled out for any of the, the dumb revelations they had at the end. I was like, OK, I was like, you, could have, you could have put in like you could have put in tons of other things from the expanded universe that would have made way more sense than what you're trying to feed us. Right. So, you know, I don't want to be spoilery or anything. So I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I refuse to watch the final episode of Star Wars. Yeah, I, so. I, I've not gone see it. All I wanted, I, I, you know, I'll admit I read the Wikipedia plot synopsis. That's all I want to know, because I want to know how are they going to put out this dumpster fire? Like, how are they going <laughs> yeah. to finish it? So yeah. that's all I wanted to know. And then I learned that and I was like, wow, I'm super glad I didn't pay $12 to go see that in the theater. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't feel compelled to watch any of the in any of the final three honestly I, I watched the the first of the final three and i said yeah you know what i'm all set. yeah like i would i would suggest if anybody needs more star wars go read the comic book go read the most recent run of star wars and most recent run of darth vader series like those are fucking phenomenal oh. Even Dr. afro which is which they're turning yeah. into a series um that has a comic book series um i think they're actually making a movie about her dr afro is kind of like this basically she's space she's female space indiana jones hired by darth vader and she's fucking it she's great and that like sounds her character cool and her little things she's got two little ancillary characters she's got like a pretty much like a psychotic um black version of uh like uh c-3po and then she's got like a super souped up r2 unit that has like rocket launchers on it named bt or whatever and it's <laughs> fucking great like they're both like the robots are like homicidal killers um, but she's got like some crazy control chip on C-3PO that keeps him from skinning people alive, which he always talks about. He likes doing, <laughs> so, but it, it, it works out really well. Um, but yeah, if you need star Wars, read those, like I would, those are, have way more, uh, I think way more entertainment value over the, the trilogies, the, the new trilogy. <laughs> oh yeah. I think people are better off reading that. Yeah. Good man, great recommendation from Dan. <laughs> so check that out, check that out, and and uh, once again, man, we want to thank you for for coming on our little show with us, blessing our show with your greatness. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on. It was fun. Yeah. So let uh, me ramble on about you know stuff, uh, Star Wars, and 
Yeah. <laughs> that's what we do with all the guests. We let them carry the, the episode. <laughs> that's, that's our secret so far. You carry the weight. So um, once again, man, uh, plug your show. Let everybody know who you are and where they can find you. Cool. Uh, we're Alien Theorist Theorizing Podcast. Uh, you can look us up on Google. You know, check us out on social media. You know, Instagram, Twitter uh, at Truth Is Out There. T H U R R. We did that because we didn't know that our show was actually going to get any attention. So now it's stuck like that. <laughs> we're not going to change it because it's principle. There you go. Um, we stream. Uh, we live stream usually every Monday, if not Monday on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> uh 7 30 uh pacific standard time uh yeah so if you like what you hear uh uh listen to this one and then go back and listen to brayden's one and then come down and then come listen to our show. yeah <laughs> i'm sure the people who listen to us already know about your show though absolutely man it's a, it's a it's a good listen we we uh we talk about you fairly often i would say <laughs> oh yeah like I, we're always texting each other i'm like hey did you listen to the new episode of att yet and it's like there, there's a lot of shit that is said and most of the time it's brayden saying something funny oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. we always got i think that's 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 our secret weapon is our we just have a nice group dynamic where it's like you know i'm a, i'm definitely not the funniest person on there but it's like we'll say something that somebody will will say something funny about <laughs> yeah like i mean um, when you guys were doing that uh ouija board episode and you were like um and maybe protect andrew and then andrew <laughs> got super pissed about that <laughs> and i was like that was great was pretty, yeah so yeah we get a we get a lot of magical moments on that show we just get lucky with them <laughs> no it's an amazing show man you guys are you guys are accessible you're relatable it's a really good listen. so thanks again for coming on here with us appreciate it thanks no problem You've been tuned into the Inhuman Experience podcast. Join us again on this strange journey as these two geniuses attempt to make sense of the strange and the unexplained. If you've got a question or a story to tell, you can contact the Inhumans on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast. Or you can email them at inhumanexperiencepodcast19 at gmail.com. Your story could appear on a future episode. Feel free to leave a voicemail at anchor.fm forward slash inhuman dash experience dash podcast forward slash message and make yourself heard. Don't forget to leave a five-star review on iTunes for a shout out and to have the review read by the boys. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are the Inhumans. Are you experienced? <laughs> <laughs>